Hello and welcome to our podcast Taking Chances with me Sohela Joshi and my co-host Anupama Bhalla. Today we have with us Pooja Johari, CEO Glitch and founder Seat at the Table. Pooja started working at age 15 right after class 10 and completed her education through work credits. She has worked in JWT, Unilever and Worldwide Media before joining Glitch. She firmly believes in building a gender-blind, inclusive, progressive, high-performance workspace and that marketing must have a positive impact in society. All three of us have worked together and have super work memories and fun travels too. Anu and I have watched Pooja's phenomenal growth and success with great pride. It's going to be one candid fun conversation. Welcome Pooja. I'm delighted to be here and I'm pretty sure over the course of this discussion we're going to talk a little bit about our history so people know why I'm ex- so excited to be here but thanks so much for inviting me. Good to have you Pooja. Thanks a lot Anupama. I'm so happy that you guys are doing this. I just love when I first saw it and obviously you know I I love Soila and I've known Anupama for a very long time and there's obviously a great fondness. So when I saw your podcast I was very excited. This is great. I love it. So Pooja my first question to you is about this amazing career that you've had and we've both seen your growth the super growth actually that you have had personally and professionally. So when you look back how do you perceive your journey? It's a life well lived so far. It's been rich of experiences, lots of failures, lots of excitement, lots of learning, lots that I was able to achieve and I look back at it with no regrets even though i'm just 36 so i hope that's how the rest of my life is also going to be so that's really how i look at it you know just to echo what soila is saying pooja it's firstly congratulations it's been a great journey and you've achieved so much i still remember it was just it looks like just the other day you walked into times of india and you know <laughs> we were all working together but yeah, yeah lots has happened for you so great career congratulations once again and i hope all good things happen to you and whatever you wish happens to you but just tell us this of all that you've done till now and you're just 36 as you said what are you most proud of i'm most proud of the relationships i've built and one of them is on this call right now and a large part of what i am today people close to me know this people who i work with very closely know of the name soila joshi and soila never believes the kind of impact she's had you know on me and the kind of impact that she's had on my life personally and professionally we'll talk about both of them but the most important part has been the relationships i've built the people that i've met the beautiful human connections i've made has really made all of this worth it because you know at the end of the day what we're doing is we're living life right we we're taught to sort of separate it into professional life and personal life you know so on and so forth but at the end of the day it's just life right you wake up in the morning you do things with your family you find your way to work you do things with your colleagues sometimes call them friends then you come back home and then you're back with your family you're living your life and i very early on decided that i'm not going to break it up into work life and home life i'm just going to break it up into things i do for myself to keep myself happy things i do to give my family happy to, and together things i do for my profession something that enables me to live a good life and things i want to do for my community and that's how i sort of segregated my life 
all of it is a mishmash of what the last many years have been like ever since I met you guys, which is almost 10 years ago now. That's really what my life has been. A beautiful collection of relationships, experiences, learnings, heartbreak, joy, and things that made me very, very happy and things that made me very, very sad. And I, I feel everything fully. That's what I've gifted myself. The opportunity to just feel everything fully. I'm not in a rush to move on to the next thing. And that's what the last 10 years or so have been for me. Wow. I mean, I'm feeling it as you're saying it. <laughs> yeah. You know, we've grown up in the corporate world and we start out as interns and then you become heads of departments and heads of companies and so on. And you've been an entrepreneur and a head of your company. But so there's always that day where you realize that I actually am a leader. I'm not that same person who started out at SA22 in my first job. So what was that moment or that time that you said, oh my gosh, I'm finally a leader who's responsible and needs to lead. So irrespective of everything uh, as I am as a human, I still need to be a leader. What was that moment? I say this with deep humility and this is not me being cocky at all. I realized that I was a leader very early on in my life. I very distinctly remember that age seven or age eight is when I told myself that I am A, the leader of my own life and I need to take control of it. So it really started off from then because I had this very unique background. I say unique in a positive manner, but I'm, I'm raised by a single mom. I lost my dad when I, was, when I was very young. I have a fantastic mother. She's the most enterprising person I know. I studied in a Sindhi medium, didn't have a college degree after she got married. So after my father passed away, she was... She had to really figure her life out. And along the way, I had to figure my life out. And I knew very early on that I want to live a certain kind of life. I always knew that the apartment I'm living in right now or the life that I'm living is not it. This is not what it's going to be forever. I knew that very early on. So taking charge and taking control of situations came very early to me. So I remember at the age of what age are you in class one? You're five, six years old, right? I remember I used to carry my house keys in my bag. I used to open the door on my own. I used to come on a stand on a stool, cook my Maggie. And those are not things that I look back and say, oh my God, I did that as a young child. And that was so sad. But those are things that, that really made me who I am today. I remember sitting with my mom when I was very young discussing financials because I lost my dad very early on. She was so worried that if she passes on, what am I going to do? So I knew my financials. I knew our bank accounts. I knew how much money we had where. What would happen if my mom passed on? Who would I go to? What would I... You know, so taking the emotion out of a situation and looking at it very practically came to me very early on. So as I grew in my life and in my career and in the relationships I built personally and professionally, this one part that told me that, you know, I, I tell this to myself that I feel I'm a natural born leader who loves to work with other leaders. This is not just me standing in a room that says, hey, listen only to me. But I like to operate in a form where I, I help people around me, even when I was very young, hone their own leadership skills. And I don't say that as, wow, that's amazing and that's how everyone should operate. But that came to me very naturally because I learned along the way that if the more people I had moving forward with me, the more it would help me enrich my life. It would help me live a more fulfilled, more secure life. And that's what I've always craved, that I don't want to waste my time on things that are unnecessary. 
and that's really where my relationship with Sara Soila comes in because I met her both of you which was 10 years ago I had worked for 10 years before that and till then I was always told that as a woman you're going to be the shittiest of bosses my female bosses that I'd had before that were really not very nice people and then Soila comes in and she completely flipped it you know on the head and I remember day 1 We had this discussion. I was actually got my dog trip on the first day that Soila joined Times of India, and I went to her and I said that, "Hey, listen, I need to go. My it's my new boss. I had to make a good impression." And I told her, "Hey, listen, I need to go home because my my dog is coming." And she very simply said, "Yeah, sure." And you must go. And there's so many things in my life that happened from then on where she was so secure because I was always ambitious and aggressive and wanted to move at a certain kind of speed. She never held me back. The wind beneath my wings. Like I had my mom, and Sola is not as old as my mom, and she's my friend, and I love her. But she was like my work mom, and I've taken a lot of how she has been professionally into the way I eventually was when I became a very senior leader, which is that you need to operate without insecurity. You really need to deal with people at a human level. rather than a transactional level it's important to invest in someone's personal life when you're working with them for so many hours as much as you have that transactional work relationship she is the reason i'm married to varun so it's also as deep as that because i remember we we were going for a marketing conference and i'm jabbering and jabbering and by the way everyone who's listening in because we are on a zoom call as well soila and anu are very sweetly smiling back at me so a quick story before we, i get into it remember that conference <laughs> <laughs> you remember that conference yes yeah. so, so, you know I, i don't think you know this one anubama the one that i'm going to uh, talk about me. right now i had just broken up with this boyfriend i was with for about 2 years and i was in that situation of okay whatever i'm still 26 i was in no rush to want to go and find something permanent all over again and we were going for this marketing conference It was very serious. It was very, the company was paying money for us to go there. She looked at me and she said before going that if you see a cute boy, you have to talk to him. And I'm like, Soila, I'm not ready to talk to a cute boy. But I remember I met Varun at this marketing conference, and the only voice in my head was, "Oh, this is a cute boy. Soila would want me to talk to him." And that's how Varun and I actually started talking to each other because it was Soila's voice in my head that told me that I should go and talk to him. Much like so many things, you know, where she's been in my head talking to me. Okay, enough, Soila. I'm not going to speak more about you. You've not paid me enough for this. Oh my God, this is way, way back in time. Such amazing times we've had. So many conversations, so much work together, and memories. Um, you know, Anu and I both knew how good you were, and there was really no holding you back. And many a times, I have told you this, uh, Pooja, that you know each one of us have potential, but there are very few who believe in their own potential and then go out and max it. and i think that is what you have done and i really admire and respect you for that tell me how has the workplace changed for the young people today i think that shift started coming on since i came to the workplace which is to find slightly purpose i sort of sense that with colleagues and peers of mine who've been slightly older than me that when i would talk to them about hey, why are we really doing this why is this hustle worth it their response is to be that we do this because you want to live a certain kind of life you want to raise a family you know you want a home you want a car 
it was all of that, right? It was all of the materialistic things that one needed to achieve because that's how we were trained, right? Many generations before me had seen independence, had started seeing globalization, started seeing the world had opened up. You could see the kind of life that people were living around the world. And as Indians, we wanted that as well. And we were suddenly in a position where our economy was not as bad, was giving us more opportunities than what, say, for example, your parents had. And you're stuck to that, right? And that was important. And to a certain extent, a lot of my peers from my generation also believe that's what we need to do. But I see that change in more so very loudly and passionately in the generation after me is that why am I doing this? The question of what is the purpose of me having the job that I have? And it is important as leaders, it's important as people who sit in a position of some amount of control and power. How can we build an environment that invites more people, talented people into our ecosystem? And and building purpose in what we do is very important. So one of the things that we did at Glitch is we will never cosvertize. We're an advertising agency that says we will never build films to just promote a cause. We will have long-standing positive impact in society. Very important creative brief that we give to all our creative and planning leaders. You will never see a film that comes out of Glitch, and I hope that happens even after we move on when we do newer things, is that the culture of our organization is that we do these jobs because what we put out into the world has real impact. If we stereotype someone or if we take or if gender portrayal is not as it needs to be in modern society, and we put out any form of communication that has any form of airways or internet time, we impact someone's minds. We impact how people react in their homes. And that's a huge responsibility. We're not just putting out ads, right? We have the privilege of making content. We have the privilege of really putting out pieces out there that shape people's minds and how people behave with each other in their homes. That's huge. And how often have we as people in the marketing and advertising community spoken about how huge that is? And I see that noise. I see that conversation getting louder and louder today, where with the kind of content we see on OTTs or the kind of films that organizations like mine are putting out there, it hopefully will have long-term positive impact on society. So building purpose, a short answer to your question, is that we need to build real authentic purpose for this community of young people to join our workforce. Just picking up from what you've said, and that was going to be my next question, actually, and you kind of already stepped into it, was youngsters are A, questioning what they're doing and is it purposeful or not? So what's happening because of that is a lot of people are starting their own companies, right? Today, startups are big. Entrepreneurship is big. really didn't exist in our times. Like you rightly said, we moved into companies and started working. We didn't think of doing anything for our own. But now youngsters first think of doing something, the whole thought of doing a job comes much later. And along with this comes this buzzword called conscious entrepreneurship. In fact, the NGO that I work for, uh, you know, where we look at entrepreneurship and funding them, we use this word quite a bit. And and uh, our reason for doing that is because we talk about the UN SDGs and, you know, the entrepreneurship must revolve around them. But what does this term mean to you? It's being used a lot nowadays across all platforms. So what to you is conscious entrepreneurship? And as you've been an entrepreneur yourself, uh, I'd like to know what your opinion is. So I'll address one part first. I didn't start Glitch. A lot of people in the leadership team at Glitch 
seem like the people who started the company because that's really the culture of the company and of what the founders really put in. So I do feel like an entrepreneur because we all built it together and that's the culture the founders built in. But coming to the conscious entrepreneurship piece, the answer is very simple and it is that if you have a seat at the table, you have to invite more people to have a seat at the table. That's what it means. It's as simple as that. When you're in a position of have a position where you can create more opportunity or make a real difference in your company, in the environment, in society, in the world, how do you enable that? Small, tiny steps. That's what it is. It's as simple as that. Creating opportunities for more people uh, and building a better world beyond the world that you exist in. That's what it is. And that's how we look at it. That's how I look at it. And so many people that, you know, so so many people in my friend circle, the kind of choices we make, the kind of clothes we buy, the kind of products we use, what we put out on the internet, who we buy, who we don't buy, how we call people out, how we don't call people, how we silently support them. All of that comes together in, in a more conscious, more aware society. And that leads to conscious entrepreneurship eventually, right? Because if you're conscious, then everything you do, you will do with a certain lens. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think more than ever now, one really needs to work towards making this world a better place. If we don't do it now, I don't know when we'll do it. Yeah. Because while you feel that as a young person, when you become a parent, you feel that all the more because you're not just limiting the world to your lifespan, which is so strange. You suddenly like, if I don't leave the world in a better state, the person I love the most in the world will not have a good life. Right. That's how I think about it. Do I want my daughter to grow up in a world where she doesn't have equal opportunity? Do I want her to grow up in a world where there's no fresh air? Do I want her to use products on her skin that could lead to health problems for her? There's so much, right? Every decision I take has an impact on how my daughter is eventually going to live her life. And we're very aware of that, I feel, as modern parents today. So how do you convince the board and the shareholders to whom you have to... uh... Uh, you know, show your balance sheet in that sense. How, how do you handle that? A shareholder meeting is only and only run by bottom line. And I truly believe that an inclusive, balanced workspace leads to a very strong bottom line. My company is an example. We are 50-50, one of the only agencies, or I think the only agency in the industry that operates at 50-50. We have more than two genders in our leadership team. We have people from all communities, all ethnicities, all sexual orientations who freely can say and be who they are. And that is our superpower. That's what we bring to content. That's what we bring to creative. That's what we bring to ideas because it's diverse. And when you have that environment, which we have had from day one, and we have been protectors of that culture, we hire blind. My elevator pitch for Glitch is that we're gender blind, we're inclusive, we're progressive, we're a high-performance workspace, and we happen to be a creative company. Because today we're a creative company. Today, tomorrow we may evolve into being so much more. But why we exist and how we do what we do will never change. Because those are our values. And those values, I have a proven track record to say that it positively, more than positively, impacts your bottom line. So your conversation, your shareholder meeting can't be about, hey, let's do this because it's the right thing to do. You do this because data supports it because it's going to help businesses move forward. Sure, sure. I mean, you're just so passionate about your own workplace. So what is your working style and what are the lessons learned uh, being a boss lead? 
my working style is that I'm fearless. And I say that as openly in every forum and any, any platform. I got to be fearless. You raise your hand for every opportunity. You knock on doors before they open for you. And sometimes that might come to you very naturally. Sometimes you need to work very hard at doing that. And I've struck that balance in my life. And I know that when I work with young people, when I work with not just young women, but many young people, that's how I would like them to operate because it's important to actually raise your hand and have a voice and, and encourage others to do the same. So that's my style. And so what is it that you would tell a 25, 35-year-old working woman of today? What would you tell? Keep your own unconscious bias about yourself. Take your own unconscious biases out because very often women and men, the content that we see from very early on or the way our people around us behave with us really impacts how we will behave as we grow up. Data tells us that women won't put their hands up for an opportunity or say or talk about a promotion or, or talk about a certain kind of remuneration they feel they should get. But a guy will walk in and say, hey, I deserve this, even if he or not, he if, he if he doesn't deserve it, right? Because that's how he's bought up. Hey, those are your opportunities. You're going to get it. You are the provider. You are the one who has to bring the money home. So he operates with that, right? That, oh, I have to do it. For women, we've always, be gentle, be nice. You don't have to pick a fight with anybody. It'll all be okay. Own your own natural vibe of being soft and it's all right you don't have to rush you're just doing this job someone is anyways providing the money right you know you have fun that's how we've been brought up right that's how a lot of even the content around us that's what we've experienced but our our kids today like Leia my daughter doesn't know what gender portrayal is because she sees her mother and her father doing the exact same things we will cook we will clean we will work we both make the money we both cry we both are vulnerable we're both emotional we're both exactly the way human beings need to be and that is what i would tell women that while you raise the next generation and while you raise yourself up it's important to take the unconscious biases out of your head because only you and only you can do that absolutely things are in our hands only that i 100% agree with so picking up from what you just said, we are women here and we were together in an organization which had a fair number of women as well. In fact, the number of women were much higher than men when we were with worldwide media. But that's a rarity, right? That's a rarity. And we are sensitive to the fact that there is a gender bias and it is there and, you know, we can't turn away from it. So what are your views and observations on the gender bias that exists and do you think we lose out because there's a gender bias? Could women do a better job or an equally good job? Oh, of course. See, look, this conversation has been had on every platform, right? Every senior female leader has had this conversation. And do biases exist? Of course they do. Do we need to do something about it? Of course we need to, right? But this is not going to happen like this. The fact that 10 years ago, we were not even having these conversations. It didn't exist, right? Gender bias, what, what was that? We didn't even talk about it. Today, that is part of every interview I do. Every conversation I have. Every conversation. It's like you as a female CEO. And I'm like, no. And I'm not, I don't react negatively saying you as... A, I would say, no, me as a CEO, this is what I feel. The change is going to happen. Will it happen in my time? Maybe not. Will it happen in my daughter's time? I hope so. Right? But change is happening. There is progress. 
and one needs to recognize that there is progress. I have more opportunities than my mother did, right? That is progress. My daughter will have more opportunities than I did and she will be far more fearless than I am, right? Because that's what that's the world she will see. So there is progress, definitely. Are there biases? Yes. Is it getting better? Can we do more? Yeah, but it will get better because the fight is on. There are good conversations. There are hard conversations. There are passionate conversations. There are negative conversations, but there are conversations, which is exciting, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. In fact, uh, while you were talking, I was just thinking, Soil and, and I are these days clubhouse junkies. <laughs> I'm not so sure if we are that enthusiastic now, but the early days, we were always there. So in yeah. fact, I was in one of the climate change groups and I found and I still go to them every week. They come once a week, the groom comes. Almost 90% of the speakers in that room are women. Mm. And I was seeing that all the policymakers who are coming together for COP26, including uh, Glasgow, where it's going to be happening, the policymaker is a woman. So yeah. in fact, half my fascination with that room was the fact that I was suddenly seeing so many women who were policy makers, actually, yeah. and who were going to be speakers there. So yeah, as you rightly said, certainly things have changed. But if I were to ask you, what were the one or two things that you would do to bring about that change? One, you spoke about your company and how you've run Glitch. You know, all the partners have run Glitch. So that's a great thing to see. But what, what do you have in mind to empower women? What would you do if given the opportunity? One, set an example so that there are examples in front of women. Because if I don't set a good example, there's no one to reference. And that is point number one. All of us in what you're doing with your podcast, in what I'm doing with my company or everything else that I may do, we're setting examples. So the people around us, we don't realize it till the time someone actually comes and tells you, I feel so good when I hear you. You know, your interview had that kind of impact on me. Because we don't realize that even by having this platform, we're creating change. We're setting an example. So living life the way we, as, as modern women, as aware women, as women who recognize the role we will play for the generation to come. There is no rocket science to it. I don't have a pointed philosophical answer for you. It's about let's just set great examples. Let's know that every opportunity we have is an opportunity to give back. We are experienced. We are inspiration. We are authentic conversation. We are vulnerability. We are putting out, you know, what emotional intelligence actually means by taking the things that have so often been used against women and use them in a positive light without a fight. Everything doesn't have to be a fight. There can be, and, and look at it as a long-term, as a long-term change that we're going to bring about. That's what I think. Uju, what are your motivations? What is it that drives you today? The feeling that what I have is enough. And that I want to live in the now. Those are big changes that have happened in my brain. It's sort of got rewired. I'm sure the pandemic had a role to play in it. The stage in my life I am had a role to play in it. And that's what drives me. Is So it's that. And another very strong driving force is how can I create more opportunity for myself and, and others? So those are the two things that are really steering me forward. All hand in hand have one more project that you recently launched and you've gotten into the VC world. That must be an exciting space. So what would you be focusing over there? What are the areas that you want to commit as a VC? I will, I'm not sure if VC is the right word. It does. Yes, I will be investing in companies, but it is 
it's me putting a lens of purpose to how I spend my personal money and my personal time. And if that puts me in a VC box, yeah, sure, it doesn't. That's how it is. But my purpose is very simple. My mission is very simple. I have a seat at the table. I want to create opportunities for more to have a seat at the table. And how can I use some of the capital that I've earned over the last few years, the experiences I've, the connections I've built, how can I help create a more meaningful impact on the entrepreneurial landscape of our country? And that's what it is, that I want to play a small part in creating a world of equal opportunity. So I was very clear, which is why it's seat at the table. So I invite everyone uh, because that invitation needs to be an open one. That's the objective. Right. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If there is opportunity, paid forward is this thing. Yeah, so it's pretty much a bit like that. You've spoken so passionately about gender bias, about opportunities for women. So why is this so important to you? Why is building this community of empowered women or giving them the opportunity or the seat at your table that important to you? So a small correction there. Seat at the table is not just for women. It's an inclusive company. Okay. It's a company mm. of equal opportunity. That's what it is. It's a place where people from any gender with a great idea and a strong business plan will be heard without bias. Your age, your sexual orientation, your religion, your gender, the stage of life you may be in, none of that matters. Because those are all tick marks in, in the VC world. And that's what I learned when I worked with so many companies last year that there are these biases that say, for example, if there is me, a, a woman and a man going with the exact same idea, data says his idea will get picked over mine. Unconscious bias. If me and some from the LGBTQI community go with the same idea, my idea will pick, be picked up. <laughs> data says it. Unconscious bias. Someone from a different religion, someone from a minority, idea may not get picked up. Those are those unconscious biases. It may, may not get picked up. May, may not get seed funded. And that bothered me at a fundamental level. And I don't have, these are my experiences. I don't have, I've not seen a white paper that proves this. I haven't seen it. These are my experiences of the conversations I've had. You know, I don't build anything anymore to prove it to somebody. I'm doing it for myself. I'm doing this for my own, for what I want to do with my own life. And, and that's what it is. So it's a place of equal opportunity. It's an inclusive place. That's what I'm building. And that's what I strive to build. I think that's excellent. That's excellent. So we asked you a while ago as to what would you tell a woman who's 25 or 30 years old, right? Yeah. What's the advice you would give her? But now that we're talking about building a better world and, you know, just the future, uh, you know, what can we do for the future to be better for somebody as young as your daughter, for example? So yeah. what is the advice that you would give to somebody who's your daughter's age? Anybody, be it a little boy or a little girl, who in the next 10 to 12 years are going to enter the workforce, right? Or are going to be part of the community at large, professionally and socially. What advice would you give them when you're trying to create this world? That's a good question. And it, it stems from how I would behave in front of them. Because a lot of what I learned when I was that young was looking at people around me and looking at things that I was subject to or the content that I was, that I experienced. And so it's, how, it's on how I behave, right? If I don't have any difference between what Leia does, my daughter, or her friend who, who could be from whichever gender does, she will see that as an example. And then that's what she will remember as she grows up. When she sees that, you know, when I ex expose her to content that frames her mind in a way where 
she's not that damsel in distress waiting for somebody to come rescue her she knows that's not what she needs to do she when i expose her to an experience where a group of my friends and i are sitting together and we egg each other on positively she sees that that's how you need to be when someone says that hey women gossip and that's how women do and and all of that nonsense you know and she sees how i react in those situations that's how she will be i tell this story to a few people i've said that on some other platforms as well when i went back to work after having a baby and varun and i worked together my husband a very senior person came to me and said hey how do you do it it was in a very someone wanted to say it in a very positive manner the first time i got damn irritated and i reacted like why are you not asking me he's right here he's sitting right next to me we clearly had the kid together right and then i realized that this the person actually went back he took a step back instead of having a more engaged conversation with me and that's when i realized i need to change something about this because i'm in a position where i can make a real impactful difference in this person in the way this person thinks so i went back to this person the next day and said ask me that question again how do i do it and he was a bit worried to ask me that question again and i was like no just give it a go you know i'm in a better mood i won't make up today so i feel good <laughs> and he said okay how do you do it and i was like okay i'm going to tell you how i do it you know what i opened up my computer and i had a whole excel sheet which i did varun and i excel sheeted the shit out of our lives when we had leia and i was like this is how we do it i've convinced my mom to take on this role and this is how we split our time this is how we did the feeds this is how we did the bath this is how we did the company and the person was really engaged and then i was like oh this is awesome and you know maybe you should sort of talk about this to other women and you know that gave birth to something that i did with my clients where how uh, you know with with one of the brands in a large workshop on how women could actually come back to work and how they should react to questions that are asked of them when you when your morale is already a bit beaten your confidence is already a little shaken that hey can i really do this will can i really manage this and that because those are questions you have in your mind right because that's what you always been asked you will probably react in a different manner and the my, this friend of mine who's a friend now you know just react and said that's fantastic you clearly have got your shit together and i was like of course we do because that's how we are at work right because people can figure it out and and the answers to a lot of these questions are so simple in the way you react i worked with a therapist recently who gave me this formula which i have looked back at many times in my life to many situations in my life which is called e plus r equals to the event plus your reaction to said event dictates the outcome so when an event actually occurs you have to ask yourself what is the outcome i want when someone asks me the question hey how do you manage it the outcome i wanted is to make this person feel hey i've got everything in control i wanted this person to learn that that's an insensitive question to ask in a modern world to be aware that there is equal partnership in people's relationships nowadays at least most of the time that's the outcome i wanted so my reaction had to be accordingly because you control the reaction when i said hey how could you ask me that question that person went back conversation over nothing comes out of it when i leaned in and showed how i did it he leaned in as well and i made a difference there that day someone walked out thinking that hey this is possible and we probably never ask that question again you know i'm going to give a very interesting episode here when yeah. i first joined <laughs> india today my first boss you know we used to have events and we used to be working till 1 2 in the night doing events and i remember most of us were women again to the media company <laughs> and uh, he made this comment uh, again 
subconsciously, right? It, it was not a conscious thing, but he just said it. He said, when you girls are going to get married, how are you going to stay out this late? You know, he mm. made this comment. And we were like all young 22-year-olds and all of that. We were like not very happy about this comment. He, he was a wonderful guy. Our boss. So we went and told him, he said, how could you have made a comment like that? So he was like, oh, okay. I did think, I, I mean, yeah. I just said you girls are working so late. And what are you going to do once you get married? He said, I wasn't thinking anything about that comment at all. It was not sexist or not a gender comment at all. It was just a regular statement. And to make up for that, the next day, he called up the HR guy and said, all these girls have just gotten into their first jobs. They've just started working. I want them to go through a financial training and I want them to open their PPF accounts and I need to have them get guidance as to how to invest their money. Like yeah. you rightly said, it's about a conversation. And a lot of times people don't say it in the wrong way, if I may use that word. It just yeah. comes out. But yes, it is about biases that are already ingrained within us. You know, you don't realize you're making that comment. Absolutely. And, the, and when the comment is being addressed to you, you have the power to actually make a difference in that situation. And the the moment you recognize that, we make the world a much better place. Pooja, um, a last question, which we ask all our guests on the show. And it comes from the fact that almost all of us have a template of what we want our lives to look like. Everything that we want to do, to achieve, to be. What is your life template? I, I don't think I have a template. It is, there are, I've always, I've had that since I was a child. These goals that I wanted to achieve. And my friends have laughed at me forever. Is that I always put things out. I say what I want. I say it. This is the kind of life I want to live by the time I'm 30 years old. And this is the kind of position I want to hold professionally. This is the kind of husband I want. I have actually said these things specifically. Like I've said it. And it, it so happened. It's not like suddenly someone listens to you and magic happens and this happens. But subconsciously, you actually work towards that. If that is a template, then that's what it is. That I always say it out loud without any fear of judgment, without any fear of anything else. Because the moment you take that away from you, then you live fearlessly, right? Because honestly, a comparison is the killer of joy. So don't compare yourself to anybody else. Secondly, I mean, you, the moment you stop giving yourself that much importance in a conversation, thinking that if I say something, this person's going to be thinking about it forever and ever and then judge me if I make a mistake and fail because that person has forgotten the conversation after you have said it, right? It's in your head. You're like, oh my God, I said that in front of all of my friends and now I need to achieve it and have that pressure of achieving it. I just say it. And if it happens, I don't have to prove anything to anybody, right? I don't have to prove anything. I have to just live my life. This whole this pressure that we put on ourselves. Most often, we do it to ourselves. I need to be this because this is what my friends are doing. Look at everyone around me. This is what they are doing. Or look at that person's company. Look at how much that person raised. Look at how much that person made an exit of that company. Or, oh my God, by the, I can't, I'm not living the life I wanted to live by the time I was 30, 32, 35, whatever. Those are all your things. Nobody remembers what you said. And the moment you take that away, then you live your life. You achieve your own goals. You you go about your life because it is your life. Nobody else is really looking into it, even your partner, right? Because your partner also has an individual life. And uh, that the freedom of that is just outstanding. That when you don't operate with pressure. And, I've, and I'm telling you, I worked on it. This is not something that happened to me when I was very young. It's something that's happened to me, you know, when I got into my 30s. 
when I said that there is really no pressure, but the pressure you put on yourself. And that was, I felt so free as a human being. And then I said out loud, this is the amount of money I want to make. This is the amount of money I would like to have in my bank and then I will be happy. And then I have another discussion that the money doesn't describe your happiness. My child is healthy. My husband is fine. Everything is okay. You have those discussions in your head. And this is just, there's just one thing that however long I may live and I hope it is, it's a fruitful, experience-rich life. I just see me and my family together on this large table outdoors somewhere in our home. I don't know where this home is, but I have this loose picture of dogs running around and my, and you know, my daughter and maybe her partner. And maybe I, I don't know if I have kids again, more kids in the future, but this big table with a lot of people and a lot of conversation and a lot of debate and just ha- a, a table full of food and joy. That's what I see. That's my template for the next few years of my life. You know what I mean? That's how I see it. Pooja, where does this confidence of yours come from? I mean, you just have so much of it. Tell us. My mother told me when I was, I started working when I was very young. Okay, so I was 15 years old. Nobody was going to give me a job, but I always have lobbied for my jobs. And before I was going for this interview, my mother I don't have a degree. I don't have anything. She just sent me a message on the first phone I could afford. I remember. I don't remember the name of the, but it was this Nokia phone. She told me that if you can't impress them with knowledge, baffle them with confidence. And that has been the guiding light to my life. I may, may not really. And it's, it's, it's I'm something and I say it openly. I, said, I may, may not in my mind really believe that I can potentially deliver on it. But I feel so confident that I have the ability to deliver. It's this contradiction I have in my mind. And it's always the more confident part of me that I force to win. Sometimes that also has given me a beating, by the way. Because I've been so confident that I can do it. And then I was like, oh, I should have just been a little easy on myself. So there's that balance that I've learned to sort of strike. So you said so in the beginning also that there have been a lot of failures, but we kind of never spoke about it. So yeah. what is it that you feel strongly that, you know, you could have done better or oops, this went down the drain. I could have Because cheated. we see a success story. We see a success yeah. story. So what is it that went wrong with you? Or, you know, what went wrong? It may, may not look as wrong to you, but it did seem as wrong to me. Along the way, I wish I had more patience with people. Sometimes in my jest, I have been my level. I am very hyper and intense as a person. My level of energy may not be what the opposite person necessarily has and I've always demanded that but I learned over a period of time I have that voice in my head that tells me okay you were an asshole today and I try and go back and apologize to that person sometimes I miss the opportunity to apologize to a person you know it's that for me it's always about how I behave in a situation which I look at as my failures so there have been people that I wish I was better with there are friendships I wish I had nurtured more there are relationships I wish I was a bit more gentle with those are my failures. Everything that happens at work and a career opportunity and all of them and what you failed in your work. I mean, that's nobody's going to really give a shit about that when you're on your deathbed, right? I'm not going to be defined as the CEO of Glitch or the founder of Seat at the Table or whatever else I may do in my life. Was I a decent person or not? That's what people will talk about or my, my kids or my, my family will talk about. And if I've been an asshole, that's my failure. Mm. And that's what really bothers me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right. I think I, mean, I think it's that age-old wisdom, you know, which parents also give you. And, you know, your parents tell you, you know, I'm sure all our parents told us this, that this doesn't matter. This doesn't matter. 
I remember when I used to crib, when I came to Bombay, I was very unhappy for a while. My parents were like, forget it, you took a chance, just drop it and come back. There's always a home. And yeah. I, I was like, what are they talking about if I just leave yeah. my job at this age? What's going to happen and all of that? Now when you look back, you're like, big deal, you know? Yeah, it was, it was comes, nothing, right? Yeah. Like you don't, yeah. That's, not a, that's not a failure if you went back to Chandigarh. That was not you failing at something. It was a lying decision you took. It didn't work. It didn't work. I mean, you can move yeah, on. Yeah. The largeness yeah. of that situation is usually something we build in our heads to decide if we were successful or failures. And yeah, absolutely. You're happy. You're healthy. You look great. You're successful. It doesn't matter what's in your bank account or the kind of the uh, career you may have had or if you held big positions or small positions. It doesn't matter. So guys, thanks a lot for inviting me to this conversation. I love both of you and this is, I'm so proud of what you guys are doing and what you're putting out in the world because I have seen what you've done before and I have a little bit of an idea of what you're going to do after as well. You are really making a difference. You are pushing people to take chances. You are, through these conversations, you are helping people and I hope you recognize that. I hope you recognize the platform you've created because I'm a big fan and I love it and I love the two of you and I just wish you all the very best. Thank you, Pooja. That was high praise, but thank you so much. We hope this podcast encourages you to follow your dreams, listeners. We will be back very soon with more chance takers. Till then, have a good day and do like and share this podcast.